Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. Engaging the process during the season of seasoning. Luke chapter 2. Reading from verse number 40. The Bible tells us there is a story. It gives us a very high level overview of the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. From the eighth day after his circumcision to the point when he was being shown. Bible makes us to understand that our Lord Jesus Christ, he knew why he came unto this world. He knew who he was. He knew how he was going to accomplish his mission. But the issue is that there was a period, there was a period between the time of his birth and the time of his public ministry. What happened in between? And before he started, you know, what was he doing? How did he prepare? How did he survive? Imagine you know what you are supposed to do. You know what God has called you to do. But for some, for some reason, the time has not yet arrived. How do you survive? Between that period. And that was what the Lord Jesus that was That's the question I want to ask. How did the Lord Jesus Christ survive this period of seasoning? How did he survive his years of obscurity? John chapter and Luke chapter 2. Reading from verse number 40. Luke chapter 2 reading from verse number 40. The Bible says, And the child grew and became strong in spirit. Filled with wisdom. And the grace of God was upon him. And the boy... And his parents went to Jerusalem every year in the feast of the, uh, at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. And when they had finished the days, as they returned, the boy lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now it was that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking questions. And when they heard him, they were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? And look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke unto them. And Jesus advised uh, then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her, in her heart. And in verse number 52, and Jesus increased in wisdom, in stature, in favor with God and men. Now from these verses of scripture, we want to find out how did the Lord Jesus Christ survive that period. Between the time when he came and the time when he, you know, between the time of, in, 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 in his days of obscurity and the time when he began his public ministry. The first thing we see, if you look at verse number 41, the Bible says his parents went to Jerusalem every year. And then in verse number 52, the Bible says he went with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. How did the Lord Jesus Christ survive the days, you know, survive his own years of seasoning? Number one, he survived by learning from his by learning from his family, learning the tradition of his people, understanding the things that his people were doing. Number two, how did he survive? He survived by learning the tradition. The Bible says that they went, and when he was 12 years old, they went to Jerusalem at 
according to the custom of the feast. In other words, as a Jew, he understood. Well, you, he needed to learn what it meant to be a Jew. He needed to learn what the responsibility of a Jew was. He needed to learn what the customs were. And the Bible makes us understand that the period of his silence, he not only learned from his family, he learned from his tradition. Number three, he learned from the teachers. Look at verse number 46. The Bible says, now is now is what? That after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. In other words, Jesus Christ, though the creator of the heavens and the earth, Jesus Christ, the one through whom all things were made, Jesus Christ, the one, the God himself incarnate, the Bible said that he sat down in the temple, listening to teachers, asking questions, and then giving answers. The point I try to make is that that period when he was not known, he was busy learning from his family, learning from tradition, learning from his teacher, and then finally was also learning from life. He was learning from life. Look at that verse number 51 again. The Bible says, And he went down with them to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother and his uh, but his mother kept all these things in her heart. He was subject unto them. In other words, life was happening to him. The Bible tells us in, a, in, a, in one of the New Testament books, he said, Jesus Christ was subject to, he was subject to like passion like every one of us. He said he was tempted in every way just like us, but he did not sin. In other words, whatever you think you are going through, our Lord Jesus Christ went through it when he was here. In the time of obscurity, he learned from life. And that is what he expects you to do. To be able to learn from your family when you don't know. When you, are in the, when you are unknown. To be able to learn from the, the community and the society around you. To be able to learn from the teachers, the people that know more than you. And to be able to learn. Let life happen and begin to understand and begin to learn the lessons of life. Though that was the way that our Lord Jesus Christ spent his time when he was not known. Before he was introduced. In other words, our Lord Jesus Christ survived his years of seasoning by engaging the process through active participation. He was participating in the family life. He was participating in the, in the community life. He was participating in the actions, in the things of the temple. He was also engaged with life. He wasn't sitting down in one corner and saying, yes, I'm too holy to interact with people. Or I'm too righteous to be able to talk to my people. I'm walking up and down, I'm saying, yes, I'm the creator of the heavens and the earth. Don't you know who I am? Eh? I'm the one who spoke the universe into existence. If you guys don't misbehave, I will just send fire to cause He wasn't going about fronting his own power or his own ability. He just went and he learned the things that he needed to learn. The Bible tells in the book of Hebrew, he said, though he were a son, but he learned obedience by the things that he suffered. In other words, Jesus Christ during the time of his seasoning was willing to engage the process by preparing to be the savior that the Lord Almighty, that God Almighty has intended for him to be. Jesus did not just sit down idly, waiting for the day that John will say, this is the Lamb of God that takes away. No, no, no. Jesus wasn't sitting down waiting for him. During the period you know, during the period between the promise and the fulfillment of that promise, Jesus was engaged in learning. He was engaged in growing. He was engaged in becoming the person that God wants him to be. Hebrews chapter 5, reading from verse number 8. Hebrews chapter 5, reading from verse number 8, the Bible tells us, He said, though he were a son, yet learned obedience, let, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. Now look at verse number 9. He said, I'm being made perfect. He became the author of eternal salvation unto all, unto all them that obey him. Now, if you read that verse number 9, in the Amplified Version, the Bible tells us there, it says, having been made perfect, that is uniquely equipped and prepared as a savior. That is when he now became what? He now became the source of eternal life to all those who obey him. In other words, it's not that Jesus was incomplete. 
It's not that Jesus needed to be reformed. He doesn't need that. But he came, he divested himself and became man like you and I. And then what he did was that he learned the process just like you and I. In the period of his obscurity, he learned what he needed to learn so that he can become who he was supposed to be. God's promise, like I said to you last week, God will not release the treasures of heaven into the hands of a man who is not prepared. He will not give you that thing. You are praying and you are asking God, Lord bless me, Lord bless me, Lord bless me. And the Lord said, look at this boy. Eh? I, want to, I want to bless you. But you don't know how to manage time. You don't know how to manage resources. You don't know how to relate with people. You don't have a deep understanding of how to. You, know, you, you are just ignorant. And you are asking for the blessings of God. At the end of the day, you are going to create more problems for yourself. Jesus had to learn the way. The Bible said he learned obedience. But you know, though he were his son, he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And that is what the Lord is trying to tell us. That between the period you receive a promise and you see the manifestation of the promise of God, there is that gap where the Lord wants to build you up. The Lord wants to build you up. Jesus survived the years of seasoning by engaging the process. And if you are going to endure your own silent years, if you are going to endure the years where you are in obscurity, if you are going to endure the years that the Lord is preparing you, you must be ready, you must be willing to engage the process by preparation and participation. You cannot sit on the sideline. You cannot sit on the sideline of life and expect things to happen to you. And the question this morning for us is, how are you, what are you doing to be able to prepare yourself for the blessings of God? What are you doing to position yourself so that when the Lord Almighty is looking from heaven and is probably just saying, you know, looking from the, from the terrace in heaven and say, okay, who is that person that can find an angel? He can find us, you know? But the thing is that you have to be prepared. You have to be ready. You have to be in a position where you can take advantage of the things that God wants to give to us. The question this morning is that, what does it mean to engage the process? What does it mean to engage the process? What does it mean when we're talking about engaging the process so that you can do what you're supposed to do in the season that the Lord Almighty is testing you? What does it mean to engage the process? To engage the process means to cooperate with God to accomplish what God has determined to do in your life. To engage the process means to be involved in your season of seasoning. To be involved in the things that God wants to do for you. It means you're refusing to sit on the sideline and waiting for things to happen. When you, when you, talk, about, when you talk about engaging the process, it means that you are supposed to make sure that everything that God wants to do in your life, you are cooperating with that process. God wants to take you to a, God wants to take you a man. Be willing to walk with him. God wants you to teach you how to pray. Be willing to learn how to pray. He wants you to understand what is written in the scripture. Be willing to learn that particular process. That is what it means by engaging the process. Understanding what God requires of you. So that you can be well positioned to receive the blessings of God. Now the interesting thing is that there are those who think that because they have a promise of God, they don't have to do anything. Because God has said, I'm going to do X and Y for you. They just sit down and expect God to just show up. Because... They think that because they have received the promise of God, doors are supposed to open on their own accord. Ministry opportunities are supposed to fall upon their lap. They think that they don't have to do anything and wait. No, no, they just have to wait for the fulfillment of that particular promise. And that's why you see a lot of people with a definite call of God upon their lives and not being able to do anything with it. The reason is because they have not exercised themselves. They have not trained themselves on how to be able to see and fulfill that particular promise of God upon their lives. They have not learned the process. They have not learned what it takes to be the man or the woman that God has called them to be. It is one thing for you to have a call of God. 
It's another thing for you to be prepared for that particular call of God. It's another thing for you to be commissioned to do that particular work. But you must understand the difference. The fact that you have the promise of God does not mean you sit down and start taking pina colada and expecting that God will open the door for you whenever the God is ready, whenever the time is ready. It's not going to happen. It doesn't work like that. Many of these kind of people forget. It was the intention of the Almighty God to give the land of Israel, to give the promised land to the children of Israel. All through the scriptures. The Bible made it very clear. That every year, every generation, he kept on repeating the same promise to his people. Telling them that I will give you the land that is flowing with milk and honey. But is it not interesting that God, the same God that has made all that promise, the same God required the children of Israel to fight for that particular land. He told Joshua, he said, wherever the soul of your feet shall tread upon, there I will give to you. In other words, he expects you to be a partner with him. He expects you to be involved in the process. He's not just going to wake up on heaven and dump you into the land of promise and expect you to start having fun. If he does that, you are not going to enjoy it. Okay? So the fulfillment of your promise, the, the, the fulfillment of God's promise for your life requires your participation in the process. The question is, why does God require you to be involved? Why does he require you to be involved? Why? For, for, for some of us who are parents, who have raised kids, you will begin to understand that. When your kid comes to you and says, Lord, Dad, I need, I need this amount of money. I need this amount of money. If you keep giving, if you keep giving, without actually making that child do some work for it, you will come to the point that the child will have no respect for money. You have no understanding of the value of money. You will just spend the money anyhow without understanding the value of money. Okay, But when you make the child to begin to do some work, not because you really want them to do the work, but you want them to understand what it means to earn a living, you will find out that when they want to spend money, they appreciate the value of that money. So why is the Lord requiring us to be involved in the, in the process? The reason is because God knows that what you are not willing to engage, you will be ill-equipped to manage it. If you are not willing to engage in the process, you are not willing to engage in the process of prayer. You are not willing to engage in the process of study. You are not willing to engage in the, in the, in the process of developing a relationship. You will not be able to manage that particular relationship if it's given to you. You won't be. God understands that. Number two, why does God want you to be involved in the process? God wants you to be involved in the process because he knows that what you are not willing to engage, you will not be able to sustain it. Yeah. You won't be able to sustain it. And that is why the people that win the lottery, they lose all the money. Because they have not developed the ability to manage money. Number three, why does the Lord want you to be involved? He wants you to be involved because if you are not engaged, you will not be able to preserve it. And that is why you see people, they will build up their wealth. They will build up their bank account. And the day they die, a year, two years after, all their riches have been wasted away by their children because they have not been trained on how to manage money. What you are not willing to engage... You will not be able to preserve. Why is that? Why is that? The reason is because engagement has a way of sharpening your focus. It helps you to see things clearly. Many people, when you know, before you, if you, if you watch with the say, oh, after all, what is he doing? He's just standing there and he's just, he's just talking. Most people who have spent time preaching the word of God realize one thing. That if you are going to speak for 10 minutes, it takes you close to about 10 or 20 hours to prepare that material if you want to say something meaningful. If you are going to speak for an hour, you are talking about almost an 80 hours of work to be able to put the materials together, to be able to research it. When you are engaged in the process, you are more, your focus is more sharpened. Lord, understand that when you engage the process, it strengthens your appreciation. Because when you are engaged in the process, you know that when somebody, when people like Beyonce stand and they are singing as if nothing happened, you try and sing it and see whether it is so easy. 
or go and watch that uh, Simone Biles flip over and you're doing all those gymnastics. Try and do it. You'll probably end up in Vanderbilt with all the cast on your body all over. The point we're trying to make is that when you are engaged in the process, it helps you to see. It helps you to get, have a good appreciation of the things that you are pursuing. When you are engaged in the process, it hones your skills. You begin to develop and improve your skill. When you are engaged in the process, it strengthens your resolve. Because you know this is what the Lord is putting in your hand. And because it's putting in your hand, you are more determined to pursue it. When you are engaged in the process, that is what happens to you. But when you don't engage, when you don't participate, when you are not involved, when you expect God to... And when you expect God to just drop the blessing upon your life, when you complain about how long it's taking God to fulfill His promises in your life, when you sit and you are angry and you say people don't appreciate you, after all, God has called me, after all, God has anointed me, I have a prophetic ministry, I have that particular ministry, I have that. When you complain that people do not recognize and appreciate your call, I will tell you what will happen if you don't engage in the process. Number one, you are going to miss a lot of opportunity to grow. A lot of opportunity to grow, you will miss them when you are not engaged. If you are just sitting down as the referee, or you are sitting, no, not just the referee, you are sitting down as the judge, and you say, this is how you do it, you should do it like this, do it like this, do it like this. At the end of the day, opportunity, when others are growing, you are busy telling them how to do it like this, do it like this, and you see that the train is going forward, and you are still standing still. That will not be our portion in Jesus' name. When you refuse to engage, you miss opportunity for growth. When you refuse to engage, effectiveness, your effectiveness as an individual, your effectiveness as a minister, your effectiveness in any area of your life, you miss, you know, is compromised. Every day you are not developing or engaging your skill, you are Wasting away. Every day you are not engaging it. You try it. I mean, if there is a particular instrument that you play, leave that instrument for one month. Leave it for two months. Leave it for six months. Leave it for one year. Come back and start and try and play that instrument again. You will find out that you are rusted. Every time you are not engaged in developing or the, you know, engaging your skill or engaging in the process, you find that your effectiveness will be compromised. Not only that, your skill will remain underdeveloped when you are not engaged. Your, 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 your attentiveness to the things of the Spirit. When you don't pray the way you are supposed to pray. When you don't engage the Spirit of God the way you are supposed to engage the Spirit of God. Your attentiveness to the Spirit of God. Your, 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 your antenna for receiving the message of heaven will become dull that you will not be able to hear him very well. Every day you are not engaged, you forfeit the opportunity to develop. Not only that, possibility of stagnation is very, very eminent when you are not engaged. Because you are sitting that day, you are not participating. And because you are not participating in your own life, you are not participating in your own career, you are not participating in the ministry of God, you are not participating in the things that God is calling you to do, what you find is that you are going to be stagnant. And people know how to deal with people who know how to point the finger. They just leave them alone. And the more they leave them alone, the more you find out that you are remaining on one spot. You think you are the smartest, but you are remaining on one spot. The whole world is moving forward, but you are still standing still. When you refuse to engage, there is a possibility of stagnation. And the most dangerous thing when you refuse to engage is that there's a possibility of an aborted promise, aborted destiny. Because why would the Lord invest in a person who refused to invest in himself? Why would the Lord continue to give you a revelation when you refuse to seek the revelation of God? Why would the Lord continue to speak to you when you're not willing to listen to him? Why would the Lord continue to develop you, continue to open the resource of heaven unto you when you have no intention of using it? Every day you are not engaged, you risk, the, you risk aborting your own destiny. 
You risk aborting the promise of God being fulfilled in your life. You risk aborting moving from where you are to where you need to be. That is what happened. But when you engage the process, when you engage the process, when you take advantage of the period of silence, the period of obscurity, when you are busy applying yourself and you are waiting for God to fulfill his promises, the thing that you begin to see is that you will begin to notice a self-improvement. You yourself will begin to grow. When you involve in the things of God and you are saying, Lord, I know that there's a, I know you are going to fulfill this promise in my life. But before then, let me continue to do what I'm doing. Let me continue to move forward. That was what happened to David. David never knew he was going to be king. He never knew he was going to face Goliath. But he knew one thing. As he continued to move his father's sheep and he was moving them, he kept on protecting them. He kept on fighting off the lion. He kept on fighting off the bear. And the day that Goliath showed up, he took the skills that he has developed from fighting bears and lion and transferred it to and slayed the man. Yes. If David had run away from the lion and from the bear, he would run away also in the presence of Goliath. It's as simple as that. I keep telling people Christianity is not magic. And it's not a difficult thing. It's just for you to apply yourself. And that is what is saying that when you engage the process, you yourself will notice a difference. When you pray the way you are supposed to pray, you don't have to pray for one hour. Just pray for 10 minutes every day. 10 minutes every day. You will find out that after the first month, you will have moved to 15 minutes. After the second month, you will have moved to 30 minutes. After before you know what's happening, you will begin to pray and you will not even know because there's something that's been generated inside of you. You are building the muscle. You are building the skill to be able to do. You will notice yourself improvement when you engage the process number two you will notice an increased assurance and confidence because the more you do these things the more comfortable you are it will surprise you. i don't know what i've ever told you this story before but there was a when i was in high when i was in the elementary school fifth grade a teacher looked at me and thought i was going to be a good speaker pulled me up and said i should go and debate and i remember the topic a farmer a teacher is better than a farmer and i stood in front of those people there and that was the longest five minutes of my life because i had nothing to say i was looking like this and everything just blanked <laughs> now if you see me then and you see you no know, if you see me now you would think i've always been like this no it took a lot of work to be able to say, to be able to stand in here. I'm a very private person. I don't like my, I don't, I don't like, I don't like people, you know, your people messing with me. I like to be left alone. But the Lord Almighty is saying that you cannot do what I'm asking you to do if you want to be left alone. You cannot be left alone. The point I'm making is that the more you engage the process, the more you develop the confidence, the more you have the assurance, and the more you engage the process, the more you see the possibility of what God can do through you. But when you don't involve, when you don't engage, you don't see those possibilities. Not only that, when you engage, you see refinement and realignment. Refinement in the sense that you begin to get better. You begin to know what works and what does not work. You begin to realign yourself. Because when your focus is going in the other way, when your vision is becoming blurry, as you engage, the Lord begins to open your eyes and you begin to see what you are supposed to play, where you are supposed to place your emphasis. The more you engage, you begin to value and you, you, you value things and you, and you see the importance of things. As you begin to engage, you begin to strengthen the strength that is given to you to be able to advance and move forward. And then, finally... As you engage, you inspire others. Others look at your life and say, if he can do it, I can do it. If he can move forward, I can do it. If he's able to accomplish X, Y, and Z, I can accomplish X, Y, and Z. Your life becomes a challenge. Your life becomes a source of inspiration. Your life becomes something that encourages others to do when you are engaged. Now, the interesting thing is this. We have seen the benefits. 
We know the benefits of engagement. We know why God wants us to engage. But the question that always brought my mind is that why is it that people are not engaged? Why are they not pursuing the things that God intends for them to do? Why are they not cooperating with God to see, you know, so that God can make them the people that God, that, that God wants to make them? Why? Why are people not engaged about, you know, engaged in the things of life? The first reason I found is this. Religious engagement is very, very difficult. To be engaged in the process is very difficult. It means you have to step out of your comfort zone. It means you have to develop a little bit of courage to be able to go into the unknown. It means that you have to be able to exert a little bit of effort to be able to get certain things done. It means that you have to engage in faith because you don't know whether it's going to work or not. So people don't engage, number one, because engagement is difficult. People don't engage because engagement is challenging. It requires strength of character. It requires vision to be able to see what is possible. People don't engage because, number one, it's difficult. Number two, because it's challenging. Number three, because it's painful. Engagement is painful. For you to be able to talk to somebody who doesn't want to talk to you. For you to be involved in things that we other people know that you really don't want to do. You would rather be left alone. You would rather want to stay in your own quiet peace, uh, quiet corner. But the Lord is calling you that he's saying, I want to do X and Y for you. And for you to get to where I'm taking you, you need to pass through this particular road. It is very, very painful. That's why people don't do it. It is very time consuming. Because it takes a lot of patience to be able to do, to be able to engage. Because it's not the first day that you try something that you're going to be good at it. I don't know whether you have tried to, you know, play the keyboard or do something or learn a particular instrument. You find that the first day you start practicing, that's not the day you are going to get it. And if you are not patient, you are going to give up. And that's why a lot of people are not engaged. Engagement is time consuming. Engagement is also humbling. Because it tells you you don't know. It shows you what you don't know. And you have to acknowledge what you don't know. Humility is what it takes to be able to engage. Now, how then do you engage? If you know, if we, we've seen the difficulty, we've seen the benefit. The question is, how then do you engage in the season? Engage, you know, engage during the season of your season. During that time of peace, during that time of quietness, during that time of obscurity. How do you engage the process? How do you make yourself available to God? How do you allow yourself to be molded and shaped the way God wants you to shape you? When you are going through your own season of seasoning. When you are waiting between the period of to see the time that God will answer your prayer and give you the and give you the, the, the manifestation of the promise He has given unto you, the first thing you should be involved in there has to be communication taking place. You have to be in communication. Number one, communication with the Almighty God. Lord, am I in the right place? Am I hearing you correctly? Is this what you want me to do? Is this the direction you want me to go? Communication with people who are around you. The people that you do life together with. Communication with people who have authority over you. You have to be in communication. Engagement requires interaction. Engagement requires participation. Engagement requires involvement. And all these things cannot happen unless you are involved in meaningful communication. Vertical communication with the Almighty God and horizontal communication with the people that you do life with. Number two, how do you engage in the process? You engage in the process by being intentional. I tell you, I tell you, what you want, I think in one of the installments, I told you one thing that your behavior, okay, your, your, your emotions will always follow your action. All right? Your emotion will always follow your action. If you are looking, if you, if you, if you frown your face, and you are talking to somebody, you'll feel that before you, before you know what's happening, your emotion will start reflecting the action that you are putting in the place. But when you start smiling, you see somebody and you are smiling, you're smiling, before you know what's happening, your emotion will also reflect it. So, you have to be intentional. Where is the Lord taking me? What does the Lord promise to do in my life? If this is the direction that God wants me to do, then I have to be intentional in preparing myself to do what I need to do. 
Many of you may not know this, but in most cases over the weekend, sometimes I don't sleep until about 3 or 4 in the morning to be able to prepare for Sunday messages. It's not because I want to, it's not because I like to, but because I have to earn a living in a regular day and then do this over the weekend and do this when we need to do. But the point I'm trying to make is that I have to make up my mind that I will not cut corners. It is very easy for me to take a book and just read a passage to you and say that's the message. Okay? It's very easy. But at the end of the day, would I have been faithful to myself? No. Would I have been faithful to you? No. Would I have been faithful to God? No. I don't have to present this. I don't have to put these things up here. But I do this to be able to train myself, to be able to concentrate my own thought. The point I'm making is that if you are going to be engaged in the process to get to where God is taking you, you have to be intentional. It has to be deliberate. I don't like this particular person, but the Lord has probably the Lord has instructed me to love all people. What do I do? I have to be intentional and go out of my way to make my to you know to approach that person and talk to that person and engage that person. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening. Thank mm-hmm. you.